Welcome to another episode of Digital Fluency, the only podcast where you are guaranteed to get smarter about the digital world or your money back. Digital Fluency is a special podcast series from the good folks at the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation. I'm your dynamically dubious and always charming host, Adam Barger, and I am the instructor for the William & Mary course entitled Digital Fluency, Footprints and Philosophies, which provides the content for this series. Every week, we review what happened in class and discuss ways to apply these ideas to our lives. I'm joined, as always, by student producer extraordinaire, Jacob Hall. How are you, Jacob? Oh, I'm doing lovely. Fake news. <laughs> oh, man. Fake news. My, what? I, I, I just, I, I've decided... Uh, you know, after getting to know you over the last few months and looking at your website, jacobhall.net, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, I've just news? decided I don't like you, so I'm just going to say fake news. Oh, that's so sad. Fake is news. The, is the 80 degree weather outside fake news too? Well, I, I like that. So basically <laughs> my approach to what's true and not true is if I like it, it's true. Oh. If I don't like it, fake news. That doesn't seem fair. Adam, really? how do we know if it's fake or not? Do you get to decide? Well, I, I'm just following the pattern of what I see in the digital world, right? It seems like if you don't approve of something, you can kind of dismiss it and say fake news. Mm. Is, is, has that your, is that your experience, or are you more optimistic about information in the digital age? You know, it's something I want to learn more about because I've, I've heard a lot of people say fake news, and I don't really know how much power is behind that phrase? What, what are they really saying about the news that they're reading or, or what types of media could be fake? I'm not really sure. Right. Is it like what, in what is news? Right. You know, like I would, I'm tempted to see just about everything in my Twitter feed mm -hmm. is news. Um, maybe Instagram is news. Like, like what do you think qualifies as news? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. And and could the like more opinionated side of a news feed be fake in that it's like wrong or or like disagreed with? I, I just I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, if you have an opinion, obviously that's your true opinion. Right. Um, hmm. I, I've been thinking about maybe starting my own digital platform and have it be like a mix between Twitter and Instagram. I'm uh -huh. going to call it Twista. <laughs> and I only want fake news. Like, I don't want real stuff. I want totally made up stuff. How are like, you going to get um, all the fake news to put on your, on your site? I haven't figured that part out yet. Like, you know, <laughs> like, we got the onion and people like that. Uh -huh. But I've seen some pretty suspect stuff from, you know, other news sites. Right. You know, whether it's uh, cable news sites or... Uh, you know, even scholars in the field who might post something that seems, hmm, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Mm. So to make it easy, maybe just post ridiculous stuff. And that's like an outlet for all the fake news. And then Twitter and Instagram and all the rest could just be real news. That's, I like that's that. Like, yeah, that's like my perfect world scenario. We can take all the fake news out and just put it somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jacob, and of course, I, I'm kidding. I do, I do like you and your website, but I think we need help with this one. We covered fake news in class, and we were uh, fortunate to learn a lot from an expert we have here uh, at William & Mary. And so uh, Candice Benjamin-Small has been kind enough to join us today on Digital Fluency. Candice, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? 
We're doing good so far. As you can tell by our, our witty banter, we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you, Adam. All right. So can you first just tell us, you know, who you are, what you do, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into some of this uh, fake news. And I promise not to interrupt you with, with fake news call-outs. Uh, I'll believe that when I hear it. Okay. Uh, I'm Candace Benji-Small, and I am head of research at William & Mary Libraries. I also teach a class at William & Mary each fall through the Media Studies Department called Fake News, Media, Mistrust, and Misinformation. I've also taught um, for the Osher Institute workshops on fake news and QAnon, and also for the Williamsburg Regional Library, I have some workshops. Wow. So to teach this at, at Osher and to the public and to students. So you're, you've kind of, you're checking all the boxes. So obviously you have an interest in this. So what kind of drew you to this in the first place? And, and when was that? What was the spark here? So I have been a librarian since 1997. And an integral part of being a librarian is teaching students how to evaluate websites. And there's been lots of different approaches to teaching students how to evaluate sources. Um, and I found that the approaches we were using weren't really working starting around 2015, 2016. And the election of 2016 really brought it to a head. I had a relative who sent me a story about pres uh, not yet President Trump um, saying that he had done something in Detroit. And she asked me, is this true? And I looked at the website, and it looked like a news website. But I, and I applied the, the different approaches that we used with websites in the past, but it really didn't tell me anything about the quality of the news site as a news source. And I went, okay, this is different. This is a different type of evaluation than we've done before. And what I ended up doing was looking at other news sources, and they did not say the event happened. And so I said, I'm really suspicious. This is not being covered by the mainstream media. It's a really, really partisan attack against the candidate. Um, I don't know that we can really trust it. And it turned out it was from a website called Bipartisan Report, which is a very, very left wing, and we now know is a kind of a fake news website. Mm -hmm. So 2015, 2016, I, I would kind of attach that timeline as well as to where this kind of came on my radar mm -hmm. as someone who works in the you know digital teaching and learning sphere. So I think that coinciding leading up to 2016 election kind of makes sense. Um, Jacob, put us in your timeline, 2015, 2016, what's going on in your life? Ooh, um, well, let's see. I was a uh, junior in high school. Um it was really interesting to watch the election. It was sort of the first like major election that I like really paid attention to in my life. So it was, it was really interesting to see the the political sort of unfoldings that year. Um, yeah, when it comes to news, um, gosh, I I I don't know if I was I was aware so much of a change in how like news was like published online or, or elsewhere at that time. Yeah, that's interesting because I think your exposure to what we might call digital news or the digital news cycle is much different than probably mine and maybe Candace's because mm. I remember when there was no digital news. It yeah, was newspaper to, and magazines. I used to be a newspaper carrier. Yeah. I'd, I'd get yeah. up and ride my little bike and put the newspaper on people's doorsteps. Yeah, and so in my mind, fake news or what we call fake news 
kind of coincides with digital. I, I, I don't know that's the case. And I don't want any spoilers uh, for what the candles will teach us here. But I think that the awareness came along with this uh, digital revolution and, and what we might call um, Web 2.0. And I think it got even worse with what we call Web 3.0, which we've talked about before mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast. So, um, so Candice, teach us a little bit here. And I know you, uh, I already know the end of the story because you visited the class, but what is your definition of fake news and how can you help us put a better uh, point on what it is? Because I think we're, we're uh, misaligning some terms here. So why don't you enlighten us? Sure thing. So fake news as a phrase really came about around 2014. And it was people who were looking at websites that were popping up that were, were clickbait. It was, there was a clickbaity headline and you'd go to it and the whole website would be full of ads and usually a actual news story would be there, but it would have been plagiarized from a legitimate news source. The person who had the website up had not done any journalism themselves. They were just using other people's news. And so it really, it was like a fake news site, right? It was, it was meant to get advertising venue. Um, it, It was intended to get advertising revenue rather and it was meant to get eyeballs. It wasn't really even pretending to be a actual news source. So people who study this type of phenomena shy away from the phrase fake news because it's used so often, as you kind of discussed in your witty banter, that is lost all meaning. Is fake news false information? Is it that a clickbait headline tied, put onto a plagiarized article? Is it news about a politician that you don't like or that you like and the politician, you don't like what's being said about them. Fake news has really lost kind of meaning. And so the experts out there recommend that instead we use the terms misinformation and disinformation. Mm, This and dis. So Mm -hmm. what's the difference? So misinformation is information that is false, but is spread with, with neutral or good intention where someone sees something and they say, this is really interesting, and then they will share it in their social media to try to get other people's attention to it. But it is not meant to cause harm in any way. And we can see that with um, people who will, will share like a, a recipe that turns out was really heavily Photoshopped later in some way, but they're like, oh, this could be a cool recipe to try. They're not trying to harm anyone or cause anyone. They just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of misinformation. We also see it with breaking news. So when there is a big story that's coming out, the mainstream media will have reports of what they know at the time, but what they know will change over time. So if you go back to an earlier part of the timeline, they may have a different number of victims or the ship at the Suez Canal is at a different angle, or they think it was caused by something different. But Still developing. Still developing, right. Mm-hmm. And so that is, if you look at it historically, that would be misinformation, but the intent was not to fool anyone. It was like, this is what we know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that makes good sense. So, so Jacob, pop quiz here. Uh, there's a meme floating around that comes to the conclusion about, about reading, you know, book facts. It says, reading one hour per day in your chosen field will make you an international expert in seven years. Oh, man, I want to be an international expert in seven years. Seven short years. Oh, I think I would repost that for sure. Okay, so so Candace, misinformation or disinformation on that one? That would be misinformation. The graphic was created by um, um, 
man who had found the statistics in Google and was trying to persuade people to read more. And so he created this graphic that had lots of really compelling statistics about how people don't read enough and the benefits of reading. But then when you actually go and try to find any, any kind of scholarship that backs up the statistics, it all falls apart. Mm. And so the creator of the image actually has on his website a plea for people to stop sharing that one. And he created a new image with real statistics, but those are not nearly as clickbaity. Mm. They're not nearly as compelling. So that image has never taken up. But that other one with the fake statistics comes up all the time, including in groups that I'm on for, for librarians, right? We always love a, a reading meme. Anything that says people should read is a good thing, yeah. yep. except if you're using false information in order to try to convince people to read. Mm. So I, I learned a lot from that one because I would automatically think disinformation. Uh, so that understanding the intent, I think, is an important kind of a skill for, for digital uh, age folks. So here's another one, Jacob. This is from CNN uh, way back on February 28th of, I guess that was 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, says 38% of Americans wouldn't buy Corona beer under any circumstances because the coronavirus, according to a recent survey. Mm. All right, so this is the tweet or something. I don't, I think it's a tweet. Misinformation or disinformation? Well, right off the bat, that's hard for me to believe. Um, I think that falls under disinformation because it's such a, like a reputable source and they're, they're posing it as like, as correct, but, but I could be wrong. So yeah, disinformation is when there is there in the intent to fool someone or to harm someone. Okay. And the statistic comes from a survey that was run from a pretty shady PR firm. And the question that was actually asked in the survey was, would you buy Corona beer? And people responded no, like 38% of the time, because they did not like the taste of Corona beer. And it was not that they thought Corona beer was going to give them COVID. It was just that they don't like it. Under no circumstances would they buy Corona beer. But the PR firm took advantage of the timeliness of the survey and then sent out a press release to all the media indicating that 38% of Americans would not buy Corona beer because of this fear that it would give them COVID. And it plays into a very common feeling that Americans are stupid. And so that's a story that is always popular in the popular culture. And so CNN, plus a lot of other news media, picked it up and ran with that press release without questioning it. Mm. So it was definitely disinformation on the part of the PR firm who knowingly skewed the numbers and framed it in such a way in order to get more attention for themselves. For CNN and the media and the other media that used it, I would say there was no ill intent, but it was definitely shoddy journalism. Yeah, that, and that that makes good sense. And I, I will confess I'm a big First Amendment guy, and I'm not, I don't know if this is a problem. So if I came to you, Candace, and said, like, I think we should be able to post as much disinformation and misinformation as possible, and it's not a problem. It's just all freedom of speech. What would be, and to be clear, that's not my position, but <laughs> if I had that position, what what could you do or, or say or show me that might convince me the other way? Because I, I gather that you think, you know, this is something that, that folks need to kind of act against. I think there's this idealistic view that, in a truly free marketplace of ideas, 
that if everyone puts out what they think, then the good ideas will naturally rise to the top and silence the bad ideas. And historically, the opposite happens. Hate and, and ideas about violence will drown out the good ideas in a marketplace without moderation. And so it all just it, it goes right to kind of our most inner selves. It plays to all our psychological biases and fears and our, our wanting to other uh, to other other groups so that we feel better about ourselves. And so the chaos and the dysfunction that is caused by misinformation and disinformation is extremely troubling and very, bad for our society and for democracy. Hmm. I think I could be convinced. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I find myself thinking about like the how like what the type of source could could do to sort of mitigate these these problems. You know, like when CNN makes a mistake like that, like I would like to trust that CNN then came out with like a correction or something that maybe like helped them sort of show their their readers that they that they can sort of admit to these mistakes and that they'd want to be a better, like the news source. Um, but, but yeah, this, it's just such an interesting idea. Um, and I, I do understand, especially with a lot of the conversations we had about like Facebook, the other, the other episode, that, like a lot of these places where people are allowed to post whatever they want. Sometimes the, like the, the most extreme, and usually extreme in a negative way, opinions sort of rise up or get shared the most, which can be so frustrating. It is because we, you know, um, this would be more of a philosophy uh, discussion, but we tend to like controversy and sensationalism, and there's something about bad news that draws us in. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's time for, for tips, takeaways. What do we decide, Jacob? Takeaways. Takeaways. Yeah. So we got some takeaways. For those interested in getting better at navigating information, you have some tips for us. I do. So first, beware of your confirmation bias. The idea behind confirmation bias is that we seek out and embrace information that confirms what we already believe. We really don't like to be challenged on our core values and beliefs. And so if you ever see anything and it just makes you feel really good about what you already believe, like, aha, I knew it all along. Or if it makes you feel outraged towards another population, that definitely should set up a red flag for you. That stop, pause, do some fact-checking. Don't just embrace it because you want it to be true. Oh, that one's a hard one. I love me some alien conspiracies. And so in the headlines the last few weeks about the <laughs> Pentagon releasing alien papers, I'm sorry, UFO, can't, can't complete the two terms. I like... I literally did that, Candace. I, I, I grabbed that link, sent it to my college buddies in our chat and said, mm -hmm. see, I've been right for the last 20-some years. So that's a great idea. Like, push against that. You know, actively say, hey, wait a second. This is ringing some bells for me. I should be aware of that. Yep. Great. Um, my next takeaway would be use fact-checking sites. There are a number out there. Two of the most famous ones are Snopes and factcheck.org. I really like Snopes because they show their homework. They don't just tell you whether something is true or false. They also have mostly true, mostly false, and then list out all the sources and write a kind of little essay that sums up why they came to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. So you can fact check the fact checkers then. Did you know, know about those one, Jacob? I knew about one of them. I, I, I had come across Snopes before. Um, 
I, I can't remember what it was, but I was impressed at one point to see like the the level of research that they had done on some like internet meme somewhere. So definitely a good resource. Yeah. And a great example of that privilege of that we have as Americans of you know, freedom of speech and expression being used for good, you know, pushing back against some of these, you know, more malevolent tendencies. And Adam, you said to do three and I have, um, so lesson three was the photography one, and then lesson four was about considering the source. So oh, which four one, takeaways. Which, which one oh, do you like me do? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so uncomfortable now. We, we always do three. <laughs> I know. Well, three is a magic number. Okay. Well, no, we can do four. So, because I think the photography was, that, that reinforces one of the points with like deep fakes and editing and things like that. Mm. Okay. So, another advice, piece of advice that I give to people is that you should always be on guard when you're looking at a image that includes either a t-shirt or a sign that someone is wearing or holding because those are the two images that are most easily photoshopped and it's very easy to take someone who was protesting and or wearing a shirt under one circumstance and then put something completely inflammatory onto that t-shirt or image and so i tell people to be aware photography f-a-u-x that's a really common way to spread disinformation through the internet. Yeah, that was that was a good one for me because I I've seen those, but I hadn't thought about the patterns with t-shirts and signs. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that there's a lot of conversations right now about the, the really technical side of like pulling off a perfect deep fake or like getting, you know, a bunch of people to like repost something that that was photoshopped or something, but like at a very basic level like a lot of the misinformation or disinformation that gets shared about photography is very simple stuff. People just like quickly editing something, maybe even like with, you know, neutral intentions, not trying to like spread misinformation, disinformation. Mm -hmm. um, but then it gets like shared beyond its original intent or something. And then, and then it does sort of become a problem. That, that's so true because sometimes people will Photoshop something as a joke. Mm-hmm. And that you mentioned the onion earlier, Adam, uh, things from the onion are often picked up and then spread through the internet and taken as fact. And people, that happens all the time with images that someone says, it'd be funny if I made this person wear a t-shirt that said this, and then it's taken at face value as it goes through the internet. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. All right. And in our trend breaking number four. Yes. You can exciting. edit it out if you need. <laughs> <laughs> and number four is to consider the source and the context. So an, a real easy thing you can do if you see a news site, a news story, and you're not familiar with the site, you don't know whether to trust it or not, is just to type it into Wikipedia and see what they have to say about it. There's been some really good journalism recently about a title called Epic Times. And Adam probably is nodding, knows the Epic Times. Do you, are you familiar with the title Epic Times? I haven't heard of it. Right. So Epic Times is a newspaper that is run by cult-driven group from China. And they have very strong opinions and they are very, very, very far-right conspiracy theorists too. Mm -hmm. And so you look through their paper and some stories look fine and then others are things that you've never seen before. And so if you, you might look at them and go, oh, well, I didn't know that. This is really good information. No, no, no. No, go to Wikipedia and type in Epic Times and then it will tell you the background of that website. And Epic Times is spinning off a whole bunch of branches of other publications and they were trying to hide their connection to them because their title itself is, is starting to become known. I think, I think that alone 
is breaking news. We have the head of research at William and Mary, a public Ivy, saying go to Wikipedia. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's no. That is a really easy way to kind of just double check what, you know where it's coming from. Do a little bit of sourcing. Mm-hmm. And Wikipedia is not perfect, but it's really up to date and is really good for quick lookups. Yeah, it's a great yeah. starting place. I love how this connects right into what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode about like how the the, <laughs> the the what a page looks like on the internet is not exactly how you can determine like the how good of a source it is so and that if you could just do one minute of background research you, you get a lot more information about where that information is coming from mm-hmm. yeah and i think that can be part of your kind of habit you know it, it, you, this is a a digitally fluent habit that you have to develop and practice mm-hmm. you know exactly. all, all these tips are so you know, I, I mentioned this in class, but I'll say it again, Candace. Every time I talk to you, I learn something. Thank you so much for taking the time and and visiting our show. And um, we appreciate all you're doing for us and for the university during these strange times. And and we wish you all the best. Thank you, and I really appreciate you asking me to be part of your podcast. Sure thing. And 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 Jacob, don't forget after the show, we're going to do that work on that deep fake of Barack Obama coming to the show. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Are, right. we st- are we still recording? <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out.